0: Just a heads up, today's episode doesn't get into anything graphic, but should be said that we do discuss some mature themes. Nonsense, nonsensical. Welcome to another edition of The Book Isn't Necessarily Better, a Community Library Network podcast from North Idaho. I'm your host, Michaela. And I'm Roxanne. And today we are talking about a a heavy hitter. um, We sure are. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland from Lewis Carroll. And if this is your first time joining us, uh, this is a podcast where we read books and we talk about the adaptations that have been made from them before. After. (laughs) (laughs) Since. (laughs) Between. Well, this is in the public domain, so there are a lot of adaptations. Absolutely. We'll probably only hit on a few today. Do you want to hit me with some bio about Lewis Carroll? I sure do. So (laughs) uh, one thing I didn't actually know is that Lewis Carroll is a pseudonym. Mm -hmm. This man's name is Charles Ludwig Dodgson. He was born in 19... 1832 in Cheshire, England Uh, and he died in 1898 in Surrey, England when he was 66. He got the name Lewis Carroll. I got this from mentalfloss.com along with a lot of my fun facts that I get. So he created his pen name in 1856 by taking his own name, Charles Ludwig, translating them into Latin as Carolus Ludovicus, Ludovicus Ludovicus (laughs) and then reversing and retranslating them into English. Right. Oh, and then flipping the names around. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, So he was definitely a guy who loved to have uh, fun with words, for sure. Um, He was brilliant. He was actually a mathematician, and that's what he did for his job. He was a math lecturer at Oxford, Christ Church, which is within Oxford. They call them colleges. And he's famous for writing Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, which came out in 1865, and then he also wrote Through the Looking Glass and What Alice Found There in 1871. Although he originally had called the story Alice's Adventures Underground, because technically Wonderland is all underground, which we kind of forget about, but she falls down a rabbit hole. Yes. Other rejected titles include Alice Among the Fairies and Alice's Golden Hours. There also was one like Alice with the Goblins. Oh. Yeah. I miss <laughs> that. Elves, yeah. <laughs> Which there aren't really. So that's kind of a weird. I know. I was just thinking that. But he grew up as a third child in a family of 11 kids. Oof. So there were seven daughters and he was the oldest of the four sons. His father was a reverend. And he was bullied a lot as a child because he was sickly. And he also had deafness in one ear. Yeah, so he became a math lecturer. He was also ordained as a deacon in 1861. And it seems to me that at Oxford during this time, being a lecturer or professor was closely tied to also being ordained. Right. Is that the sense you got? Yes. So he was actually supposed to uh, be ordained for the priesthood as well. He petitioned, I believe, to Henry Liddell, who we'll talk about a lot today, and did not want to necessarily take vows, uh, enter the priesthood. And Henry Liddell originally told him, nope, you have to do this because everyone has to do it. And then suddenly changed his mind and said, nope, you're good. So he was like the only one of the only non-priests at the college. Yeah. And that's interesting because... um he never got married. And we'll talk more about that mm-hmm. later. He was a confirmed bachelor. Right. That old-fashioned term. <laughs> um, so, yeah, while he was working at, at Christ Church in Oxford, he met the family of his boss, the Liddell family. So it sounds like it's supposed to rhyme with fiddle, so little. Mm. So, it, But it's not little. It's L-I-D-D-E-L-L. Right. Right. And they had some children that he was very close with. So the children in this family were, well, the the girls were Alice, Lorena, and Edith. And they also had a governess named Miss Pritchett, who they called pricks behind her back, (laughs) and might be the uh, uh, inspiration for the Red Queen. He was especially close with a little girl named Alice in the family. So she was born in 1852, so she would have been 10. Being childless, he also was sort of an uncle type to his other friends' kids, and some of them were quite famous. For example, he also was close with... Alfred Lord Tennyson's children. Yeah. And other famous people who were at Oxford at the time. So one day he is taking the kids. So should we call him Dodson or Carol? I say we stick with Carol. Okay. That's what he's, that's what this is known as. Okay. So So one day Carol was taking the kiddos on a picnic boat ride. Up the Thames. And to entertain them, he started making up a story. And the story was about Alice. And she is going to... Did he call it Wonderland yet? I don't believe so. I think it was just her adventures underground. Sure. And he made up these fantastical stories that were nonsensical. They all starred Alice. And it's sort of like the Wizard of Oz. Like, he is definitely the dodo in the caucus race story. And then going back to Miss Pritchett, you know, it was inspiration for the Red Queen because they said she was one of the thorny kind. That's why she was called (laughs) Miss Pritchett. Nice. Yeah. So they love the story and then he goes home and he writes it all out and he puts it in a bound book for Alice as a gift. This just happened to be lying around the house when an author came to visit them and he looked through it and he's like, this is genius. And he convinced Mrs. Little to convince Carol to get it published. And it was a runaway hit. Yeah, absolutely. So it came out in 1865. He specifically wanted Sir John Tenniel to do the illustrations for it. And yeah. I know that Harold paid for the original print run. Mm-hmm. I know that at some point Sir Tenniel stopped the print run because he thought that the images weren't of like high enough quality. Oh. So they spent like an extra like 600 pounds to like redo the print, which 600 pounds is... Pfft. It's pocket change now. Um, so much money. But it's a lot of money then. Wow. So it, I think he's in actually the original stories. Oh, okay. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, before it came out, he had focus test, like, did, like, market testing <laughs> on, it, on his friend's kids. <laughs> and one of his friend's little boy was six and said he, quote, wished they were 60 Thousand volumes of it. Why not? Um, he also gave it to Queen Victoria, who read it, and she demanded to be given his next book that he published, which was about mathematical forums. Yes, because yes, <laughs> he only wrote as Lewis Carroll for Alice in Wonderland and his other like silly poems. Right, um, but he also had a ton of other books written as Charles. Dodgson Dodgson yes it's an apocryphal story about Queen Victoria Lewis Carroll's like that did not happen oh really yeah and he also didn't dedicate the next book to her but it's a funny story yeah oh I wanted that to be true Mm mm-mm Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Myth. So, so he wrote academic works as Charles Dodson in mathematics, also in history. He also was a famous photographer throughout his life. He got into photography right when it came out. So I think the first camera that was available to everyone was in 1856. So mm-hmm. he caught on it right away. He actually became a quite famous photographer in his time. And this is from Smithsonian Magazine, who had a wonderful article. He did about 3,000 photographs during his life, half of which are children. And now we're going to start the icky stuff. 30 of them are nude or semi-nude. While well, this is disgusting to us now, in the Victorian era, it was pretty common to see nude children in advertisements and greeting cards. It was considered, a like, the purest image of innocence. Mm-hmm. I read that people sent images of nude children as Christmas cards. Which is just... Yeah, uh, and I was <laughs> like, well, I guess, like, in classic art you see, like, um, cherubs. Mm-hmm. But, it, yeah. mm, I don't know. It's hard to, to me, to apply, like, a 21st twenty first century, like, sensibility to it. Um, contemporarily, there weren't a lot of people who thought that anything was wrong with his relationships with kids. Mm-hmm. A lot of that came from later scholarship. Mm -hmm. So it's questionable. Yeah. And I think it's definitely something we're going to wrestle with today. For sure. Especially when we talk about what the heck happened on June 27th, 1863. What was on that diary page? What was there? My goodness. Actually, we think we might know what's on there. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> um, so he he was quite famous. And yes, he was especially popular for his photographs of children. And he took a lot of pictures of Alice Little. And I'll tell you a little bit about Alice. So her full name was Alice Plaisance Little. I'm going with Pleasance. Pleasance? <laughs> Plaisance. <laughs> she was born in 1852 and... So, she had met him when she was about seven, I think, mm-hmm. um, by, of course, being part of the little family. <sighs> um, and it's it's not clear what kind of relationship they had, but he did not attend her wedding. They didn't really talk when she was an adult. No. She was quite high class, so she actually was a lady of leisure when she grew up, Um mm-hmm. She loved to paint. She wrote her memoirs. She actually had three sons, and two of them died in World War II. Hmm. At one point, she did sell the original Alice in Wonderland book that he hand wrote for her to pay taxes. Oh, wow. To pay, like, a death tax. This is a fun thing. Hmm. Remind me what a death tax is. I think this is weird and interesting. Um, I think it's when you die, and for one to get inheritance, they have to pay a tax on it. Mm-hmm. Right? First, yeah, it's kind of weird. It is weird. Yeah. Only certainties in life. Death and taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and she did die at the age of 82 in 1934. And she had been given an honorary doctorate mm-hmm. by one of, I think it was Columbia University for writing memoirs and also for being the Alice. Mm, this is why it's honorary. Yes. Uh, by, the, by the end of her life, she said that she was really tired of being Alice. Well, I, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the facts of this or, or the, I don't know, the surrounding story about this reminds me a lot of J.M. Barry. Yes, and I got vibes like Peter that, too. Pan, yeah. Both in, like, the fact that there was a split with the family and they didn't really speak to him anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Littles didn't really speak to Charles Carroll after 1863. Mm-hmm. Question mark why? Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty similar to what happened. And then with Alice not wanting to be really identified with that story, that's very, very similar to Peter. Um, didn't Peter kill himself? I believe he did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, some serious J.M. Berry vibes. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that I think that we tend to associate all of this classic English children's literature together, but these are 40 years apart. Mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland came out first in 1960. Peter Pan came out in like 1903. Yeah. Then we have Mary Poppins. I came out like not to the 30s. 30s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And this is I think different for a number of reasons as well. Uh, mostly because it's a work of literary nonsense, which I'm very excited to talk about. Yeah, I'm excited to hear you talk yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. So just a few more things about him. Do you know that he invented something called the Nictograph? I Yes. This is so interesting. Tell me about he, it. So, I mean, <laughs> so obviously it's really complicated what his feelings about children were. He also was a genius. Um
1: like so many people man. that we talk
0: about, <laughs> he's a genius and we feel icky about him or mm-hmm. confused. or so Yeah, he invented the nictograph. It's a card with, so imagine like a, a card that's about the size of a bookmark, I guess. and mm-hmm. has 16 squares punched into it. And then it lets the user write in the dark in a shorthand that he invented because he was tired of getting up in the middle of the night and he didn't want to light a candle. <laughs> so he wanted to be able to write in the dark. And it's also really helpful for blind people. Yes. And if you look at the shorthand, it looks a lot like Hebrew. Oh. Because they're all sort of like, um, they all look like they could fit inside a square of the letters. So fun fact, um, in the early 2000s, my parents both had palm pilots, which I loved (gasps) to steal and uh, mess with, because who didn't want to mess with parents' palm pilot as a child? Um, And there was an app on there, or a, a shorthand notation style called Graffiti, Hmm. That I still I like, can do to this day. It's all every letter is one stroke, and it is similar and similar to and based on Lewis Carroll's really uh, nictograph crypto, uh, cryptography writing. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> I have to see if that's still sitting in the round in the yeah. garage somewhere. Yeah. So God, he was really interesting. He also had a stutter, which he called his quote hesitation, and people would say that he claimed that the stutter went away around children. But that's not true. It kind of depended if he was, like, in a stressful situation or... Right. Like many people who have stutters or stammers. Yeah. Or actually, I grew up with a lisp. hmm And if I'm really tired, it starts to come out. Yeah. So I can't say my F is right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the reasons... He did refer to himself in real life as the Dodo. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons people say he may have referred to himself this way is because of his last name when he was... Trying to get it out might have been Dodo Doegsen. So mm-hmm. it's kind of sweet. It's sweet and sad. Um, he was very. Sounds like he was kind of awkward around adults. Yes, I kind of think of him like Robin Williams. Robin Williams always said he did not like talking to adults. It made one easy. And so apparently he was really awkward if you talked to him. But he was wonderful and natural with kids. Interesting. Again, I'm the opposite. <laughs> This is all complicated. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. I, I can be awkward around children I'm not related to. I'll be like, and what do you do? Right. Sir? <laughs> I'm like, in theory, I, I believe children should be treated like adults. And then I get around kids and I'm like, do you like lollipops? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. don't know how to relate. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Mm. One of my favorite things about Lewis Carroll is that we mentioned he was friends with some interesting people. He was very into the the pre-Raphaelite movement. Oh, I love the pre-Raphaelite yeah. movement. So he was really good friends with John Ruskin, Dante Gabriel Rossetti. Cool. William Holman Hunt, John Everett Millet, and Arthur goodness, I can't talk today. Arthur Hughes. I can't talk today. So man, we're having a day. I know. So the pre-Raphaelites is a it's a mostly artistic movement. Um, there were like poets and things that were doing Pre-Raphaelite work as well, but it's mostly um, in paintings and statue a return to extreme detail and bright colors and really uh, going against the conventions of learning art by rote. So I love Pre-Raphaelite yeah artwork. Uh, you've probably seen the um, the picture of Ophelia. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ooh, it's a good so one. Good. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Let's see. What else about him? Oh, someone accused him of being Jack the Ripper. This is, oh my gosh, I'm so (laughs) glad you said this. Yes, he was accused of being Jack the Ripper, most famously by this guy named Richard Wallace, who wrote, like, an entire book where he basically took every word that Lewis Carroll ever wrote and anagrammed it into, like, confessions (laughs) of guilt. That's great. uh, Which is just fantastic Mm -hmm. like it's the wildest theory everyone else is like that makes no sense richard wallace and in fact uh he had published a piece about it in harper's and two readers wrote into to to anagram his own blurb for the book into a confession that he framed oj simpson i love that it's excellent i oh god (laughs) think about what nerds well, what nerd he is mm-hmm. and then what nerds of people who did that were. It's yeah. just like a nerd battle. It's a good one. Good nerd. Nerd battle. melee. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, so he loved logic, mathematics, and puzzles. Did you know that he wrote a the first printed proof of the Chronicer? capelli theorem that old chestnut Oh that one yes hmm. <laughs> but he also created a conceptual system for better governmental representation yeah he, this guy he really was a renaissance man yeah his social skills apparently were wanting mm-hmm. we should talk about the diary okay let's talk about the diary but first i have to tell you my favorite fact about him okay that he invented three words okay. that we use today Go hit me. Did you hear? Do you know what this one? I actually, I specifically didn't look this up because I didn't want to know. Okay, he invented the word chortle. Oh, okay, it's a good, useful word. lump. and you're going to love mm. this, Michaela. He invented the word snark. Oh, it's my favorite word. I know. I thought about you. <laughs> he literally is oh. the, the father of snark. All right. So my patron saint. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's talk about. The diary. The diary entry. So he was a religious diarist, meaning not that he was religious, meaning that he he was religious. He was religious. Oh my god! And also a diarist. Yes, <laughs> but it wasn't diarying about journaling about. Not diary. Oh <laughs> diarist. <laughs> so he would keep a diary every day, religiously. <laughs> And there is one day. What is that day? It's like June twenty seventh, eighteen sixty three. Mm-hmm. So on this day, it is ripped out, and it's thought that that is because it had some information um, about why he had sort of a rift with the little family. Mm-hmm. For a while, they thought it was because um, he asked Al- he asked for Alice's hand in marriage, and she would have only been twelve. Which um, again was not out of the question for the time. Twelve is very young. It's even young, for the time. but it's yeah. But, but it for like happen. their for their social circles, that would be pretty outrageous, right? It also is theorized that he might have asked one of the other sisters to marry him, mm-hmm. um, specifically the oldest sister, Lorena. Mm-hmm. But other people have speculated because their mother's name was also Lorena. Mm-hmm. So other people have speculated that something might have happened between him and their mom. Yeah, because later in his life, he did have some girlfriends Mm -hmm. that he wrote about. But I also saw on a few different documentaries that he wrote in a different part of his diary about having, like, these impure thoughts he couldn't control. Yes. So. I've watched a lot of Criminal Minds, and that could honestly mean a lot of things. It could mean a lot of things. (laughs) So, um. But I also read something today in that um, Smithsonian Magazine article Mm -hmm. that later in their life, so they would have been almost 80 at this time, uh, a biographer named Lennon talked to Alice's sister about what happened that day. And so her sister is writing to Alice to... Say this is what I told the biographer, and she said basically I worry that I said too much. And quote, I said his manner became too affectionate to you as he grew older, and that mother spoke to him about it, and that offended him, so he ceased coming to visit us again. Interesting. Although <laughs> there's some questions around this because uh, she said that Alice was like 14 at the time, when in reality she would have been quite young, and so they're not sure. But I mean. You can forget dates, but would you really forget a reason that something that... Well, you, you could. You could. What I'm really curious, um, because there's actually several pages missing from his diaries. Mm-hmm. There's seven total pages missing, and also there's four complete volumes missing Oh, you're right. That all have are about the time that he would have been with the Liddell, the little family. Mm -hmm. What I'm curious to know is, a couple years ago, I was reading that they took Anne Frank's diary and they did like a residual imaging test, so they actually found some things that were either, like, torn out or um, erased or things like that. Right, because her father published it. Right. So by using uh, modern technology and imaging some of those pages, they found out more than they had previously known. Oh, like where she would have written on the page before it and the... Right, and it would have been smudged out or oh. even, like, torn out, but the mm-hmm. the ink or the pencil she was using would have been on the page. Right. So I really want to know if we can do that with these. Interesting. be an interesting... What's your gut feeling about... If his motives were pure or not, at the time he was totally beloved, and he was seen like the patron saint child children. He was like the Mister Rogers of the day, mm-hmm. where he's he is the personification of kindness and gentleness towards children. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's been too long. It's too hard to say, and nobody's ever going to be able to really have access to primary documents or primary accounts of what happened mm-hmm. then. So I, I think it might be one of those things that has been lost to history. What do you think? <clears throat> um, I don't know. I hope that it was very innocent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? In the, in the case of J.M. Barry, I don't think that he had feelings. Right. Towards children. We both well, came he seemed side, yeah. to be very sweet. With Lewis Carroll, I think that he was attracted to young girls, but he didn't act on it. That's my guess. Okay. Does it make you think of Lolita? Yes. Uh, the reason I say that is because apparently he was one of the inspirations for Humbert Humbert. Oh. Yeah. Vladimir Nabokov. Oh, he said Lewis Carroll Carroll. <laughs> because he was the first Humbert Humbert. Oh. hmm Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like I need a shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Let's talk about maybe something a little more pleasant, <laughs> yeah. a little more silly and fun and Yeah. Mystical. So it's one of those mysteries where, like... Uh. okay okay moving on (laughs) moving right along let's talk about alice wonderland which is a wonderful classic it is um can i can i tell you how i felt about it (laughs) i would love to hear okay i read both books so i read okay uh did you read both books I have only read Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Okay. So I read both because I was listening to them and Mm -hmm. I put it on one and a half speed. (sighs) So it just went through the nonsense really quickly. That kills me. (laughs) Uh, I don't like fantasy. So this is definitely one of those times where it's like, I understand. This is... Yes, this is wonderful. It was too much nonsense for me, <laughs> and the whole point of is that it is literary nonsense, right? Yes, I'm not at all surprised that you don't like it. Yeah, um, why is that? So, okay, let's let's talk about literary nonsense because this is fun. Okay, um, is this a, a thing outside it, of Alice in Wonderland? Yes, there oh, are other literary me. nonsensicalists. I'm going to call them. So it's a it's a broad category, right? But um, it. it it's a category where people balance the sensical with the nonsensical. It's like they know the rules so well that they can break them. Exactly. It's um, like that it's showing how smart they are that they can bend <laughs> the rules. Yeah, pretty much. So it's it's humorous, but it's not based on like punchlines. It's very heavily based on language, on logic. And that's, I think, why Lewis Carroll is very, very good at it, because you do have to mm-hmm. have a lot of logic to be able to bend things like this. Mm -hmm. Um, Literary nonsense has some of its origins in, like, the oral folk tradition. So things like Hey Diddle Diddle um, or, like, the Mother Goose poems. How old are those? Old? I should look someday. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It also has origins in, like, the intellectual absurdities of, like, court poets, um, court jesters, scholars, and intellectuals. So it's a mixture of different things. Like, it, certainly Shakespeare did a lot of that in his comedies. Yeah, but he wouldn't necessarily be considered like a literary non no. sensor. Nonsensite. <laughs> nonsense. I like Nonsensonian. Yeah. Um, oh, I like nonsensonian. I like that. That sounds very cool. Mm-hmm. So, most things to be considered literary, literary nonsense, you have to have elements of it throughout the entire book, novel, play, poem, whatever it is. Oh, okay. So Shakespeare doesn't count because he would do puns yes. and word play, but it wasn't what it was based on. Right. It didn't revolve around the, the puns. Right. This is less based on puns and more based on like words that might have two meanings or words that have so many meanings that they basically have no meaning. Like the word blue? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Homophones are a good way to mess with it. It also uses like cause and effect that doesn't quite work logically, right? Or things like portmanteau, neologisms, uh, gibberish Wait, what was the last one? Neologisms. What's that? That's like new words. So something that hasn't been in print before. Like, uh, like Shakespeare invented the word bedroom. Sure. Did he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> He's the first did person to put the word bedroom, like as a place where your bed is, he invented the word bedroom. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Is it like that? Sure. Okay. Yeah, but like we were talking about it earlier, it was like snark. Right. Word. Hadn't been invented. But you hear it and you're like, oh, I can, I can kind of guess what that is. Yeah. In context. Um. In fact, if you don't mind, I thought we might read Jabberwocky. Just yeah. Just for fun. I like um, Jabberwocky. <clears throat> I love Jabberwocky because it is in the public domain. Mm-hmm. And this is a Lewis Carroll poem that actually appears in one of the Alice books, yeah? It's in the second one. Yeah. And don't even get me started on the 2010 oh, uh, we'll, we'll movie. Oh, we'll about and it. the Jabberwocky's in it, and oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. "'Twas brillig and the slithy toves, did gyre and gimble in the wave. All mimsy were the borogoves, and the moamraths outgrave. Beware the Jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the Jubjub bird, and shun the frumious bandersnatch." <laughs> I love your expression right now. <laughs> what is it? <clears throat> He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time to make some foam he sought. So rested he by tum-tum tree and stood awhile in thought. As in oofish thought he stood, the Jabberwock, with eyes of flame, came whiffling through the Tolji wood and burbled as it came. <laughs> one two, one two, and through and through the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. Excellent onomatopoeia right there, by the way. Snicker-snack. He left it dead and with its head he went galumphing back. Glumphing. There we go. And hast thou slain the Jabberwock? Come to arms, my beamish boy. Oh, day, Kalu, Kalei, he chortled in no. his joy. Ah. T'was brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All Mimsy were the Bora groves, and the momraths outgrabe. Okay. Excellent poem. Tell me about it. <laughs> Uh, as you can see, most of those words are absolute nonsense, don't really exist, not words we use now. However, you get a a lot from that poem without even knowing Mm -hmm. what any of it means. Yeah. Right? What Bandersnatch? Did he make that up? As far as I know. What do we use the word Bandersnatch for now? I feel like it's a video game character or something. Or it's a brand? Well, there's a Black Mirror episode based on it, so it's probably not great. I love Black Mirror. Oh, I hate Black Mirror. Why? There are certain things that I can't. Watch or do without just being—I mean—overwhelmingly depressed. Black Mirror is very depressing. Black Mirror is like I can handle maybe one episode like every two years. It's like the kind of science fiction I actually like. Oh, it's where things that could happen soon. Ugh. anyway, <laughs> it's it's that and it's Bo Burnham for me. I can't. I like Bo Burnham. I love Bo Burnham. I love Inside, but I've only seen it once. Mm. Why? Because it's too depressing I haven't seen it yet I've listened to it a thousand times really but I can't I can't stomach watching it again mm. anyway other literary non censorians is yes. that what we said include and these people are they write other things as well but let me guess Dr. Seuss yep okay okay um Shel Silverstein probably won't yes. surprise you yes Roald Dahl oh yeah uh but also Douglas Adams <gasps> okay yeah Dave Akers James Joyce oh yeah well James Joyce loved yes. this carol yeah uh, John Lennon. How so? Well, specifically, oh. I Am the Walrus refers to... The Walrus and the Carpenter. Yes. Um, but also just that sense of images flowing together that don't necessarily make logical sense. Hmm. Um, and also Weird Al. Fun fact. He's on the list. I'm like, that one mm, I don't really know. That's a stretch, but... Yeah, but I'd buy it. Yeah. Okay. So that's literary nonsense. Oh, uh, okay. Lewis Carroll is kind of like the person everyone thinks of, if they're going to think of... Even just regular nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> you probably think Lewis Carroll. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, would you say that he's the grandfather of it? Yeah. Like, how Mary. So, it, it existed before then? Yes. But Where Mary probably, Shelley, like, definitely invented science fiction. Right. This is different. He didn't necessarily invent it, but he. Right. popularized it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like when we help each other come to the know. right. The right word. So, 18. 65. Literary nonsense ensued. Uh, Tell me what happens in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Brr. Well, we'll have to work on this together. (laughs) So, they're really, it's like a bunch of really short little stories. Yeah, it's been Yeti. It cuts right to the chase. So, it (laughs) starts with a little girl, Alice, who's seven, and she's kind of taking a nap on a sunny day by a river. And all of a sudden, she sees a, a little white rabbit wearing a waistcoat and (laughs) <laughs> what I love is she. it takes out a pocket watch and she goes, rabbits don't have pocket watches. And then she realizes that rabbits don't have waistcoats either. <laughs> and she follows him and she falls down a rabbit hole. And then there's this entire sequence where she keeps changing shapes. So she'll... I'm sorry. Real, real quick. Is this why we say down the rabbit hole? Yeah, girl. Oh, my God. Okay. Carry on. Really? Sorry. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, wow. It didn't yeah. occur to me. Totally. <laughs> so she tumbles down the rabbit hole (laughs) and she's in this room and she needs to get to a key that is on top of a table and she sees a bottle that says drink me and then she gets way too big (laughs) and like any smart child she does the thing the bottle says right yeah uh so so she gets really really big and then she eats cake that it's spelled out in currants and it says eat me and it makes her really, really small. <laughs> and then she kind of has to like figure it out how to get to the right size. She opens up into Wonderland, which I think would look a lot like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory in the first yeah. scene mm-hmm. where all the kids are out there. It's the good one with Gene Wilder. Yeah. <laughs> she goes on to have these adventures where she keeps meeting a series of very rude creatures. Yeah, that's my takeaway is that everyone No, seriously, no, really, did you was that your takeaway? My number one takeaway is that everyone in Wonderland is super rude and aggressive. Okay. I just I just (laughs) That's all I thought I'm like rude. The funny thing is I'm like, you guys are all just very direct. I would like to have a conversation with you. Oh, and I was like, God, (laughs) these people are rude. (laughs) And Alice is being so polite and I, finally I, frustrated. I appreciate the snark of all the characters. No, the and villain. I was like, you didn't mean to say that. <laughs> that was unnecessary, <laughs> Yeah, <sir. laughs> like she's just asking for directions, like help her out. <laughs> they, they won't. <laughs> so she meets uh, a caterpillar mm-hmm. who smokes a hookah. Uh, she meets the Cheshire Cat. And um, that's because he was from Cheshire, England. Cheshire Cat, which is a cat that can like disappear yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen a cat without a grin, but never a grin without a cat. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is also after apparently after the Bible and Shakespeare, Alice in Wonderland is one of the most quoted books in the English language. Fair. Extremely. Yeah. There's
1: curiouser also, and
0: curiouser. Oh, yeah. I forgot to say this while you were talking about Nabokov, but he also did the Russian translation. Oh, of, really? Yeah, of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, It's available in 174 languages, and it's never been out of print. So Mm -hmm. that tells you how popular it is. Yeah. By the time of Carol's death, it was the most popular children's book in England. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she meets all these different things. She goes to the most famous ones that people know are the Red Queen who says off with their heads. The guys painting the white roses red. We're painting the roses red. <laughs> I the roses red. Uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum is not in the first one. They are in the second one. So I listened to the first one and it was narrated by Jodie Comer. She's in Killing Eve and she's in the last. People. Yeah. Okay. Cool. She was amazing as a narrator for the first one. She I did bet. wonderful voices. Like you could she's a very expressive face you know mm-hmm. so you could just imagine her face contorting and the second one i i listened to so through the looking glass it was narrated by like it sounded like a new york cabbie driver <laughs> i'm not kidding like i know he would do alice's voice like he just was like in so anyway. way <laughs> and then tweedledee and tweedledum sounded like straight up like lobsters it was it was oh like, my gosh. <laughs> they're like, I mean what I say and I say what I mean. Oh, and then Humpty Dumpty was just like a really big jerk. Nice. Also, I don't like Humpty Dumpty. No. He's a jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did like that she didn't know whether or not to compliment Humpty Dumpty's belt or was it a cravat? Because yeah. he just has like pants on half. She has to play croquet using flamingos. Mm-hmm. And so if you're thinking about the movie from the 50s that's so famous they combined the first and second books. And so the, what right. we think of like the flowers that can talk and are also jerks. Um, <laughs> that's also in the second book. For the Leech Wheel of in the second book. There's the famous creepy poem about the walrus and the carpenter <laughs> who eat the little <laughs> oysters. Is that in the first one? I think
1: the second uh, I don't one. Know.
0: I think it's in the second I one. Don't remember. Yeah, I think Tweedledee and Tweedledum tell her about the oysters. Okay. Yes, they do. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, so she meets yeah. all these different animals and she is she trying to go home or she's really just it's kind of just, like... They keep getting her confused for different people. Right. They'll call her different names, like Marianne. She's kind of funny. Yeah. I don't know that she's necessarily trying to get home. It kind of... It's very similar to the Wizard of Oz, in that she just gets dropped into, like, a magical land, and yeah. is kind of wandering through it. Yeah. Obviously, Dorothy's trying to get home. Alice never says, like... She's more... Feels very free. Yeah. she And she doesn't feel unsafe. She it, Or she kind of knows that it, it's a dream. Did, in the second yeah, one, the second she, one knows it's she knows she knows. Yeah. But she keeps thinking, like, man, wait till I tell everyone at home about this mm-hmm. in the first one. Then she meets a mad hatter, which is a play on the term mad as a hatter. And do you know course, why they were mad? Yes. Tell me, though. Uh, no, I'm asking you. Why were they mad, Roxanne? But I'm sure you know. <laughs> it's something to do with the glue they used, yeah? They would use mercury, mm-hmm. and the fumes from it would would give them... Right. Madness. Gl- madness. <laughs> so people would say, before the Mad Hatter, people would say, "There's are as bad as the Hatter. Right. Mm-hmm. Then there's the March Hare, and I don't really get what the March Hare is supposed to be. Is that an illusion or something? I think it's an illusion. I don't know. That there's the Dormouse who's always sleepy, and they're at a continual unbirthday party. Yes. Yes. A very merry unbirthday a merry to you. V- yes. To you. (laughs) And me. (laughs) Were these written by the Sherman Brothers, the songs in the 1951 movie? I can't remember. I think think they were because they wrote Peter Pan and Mary Poppins. Yeah. You can kind of tell. I will tell you. I didn't rewatch this movie. I didn't either. I couldn't bring myself to do it. Oh, I used to love this movie, but I can still sing you probably every song from that film. Like, that's how much they earworm. Really? Yeah. I can't even think of most those. I know A Very Merry Birthday. Yep. Paint the Roses Red. Yep. There's a song that the flowers sing in the beginning. It's all in the golden afternoon. That song's actually very boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the rest of the songs in there are like, I still know them. Hmm. Like 20 years later. Interesting. It's kind of crazy. I was more of a Little Mermaid kind of girl. Uh, I didn't like her. Why? Uh, I just never got into that one. Uh, okay. I think also, like I, I grew up with all brothers and all my cousins are boys and stuff, so, so they didn't want to watch the princess they didn't ones. Watch princess movies. We watched a lot of the movies that were either boy movies, or, like Sword in the Stone. Yes, we watched Sword that in the stone a lot. Slaps. <laughs> It does, <laughs> as the children say. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it does. Yes, yeah, so she, she, she goes on these adventures. And what happens in the end? Uh, um, well, she gets to go back home. But she just, like, wakes up. She yeah? just wakes up. Mm-hmm. And then she tells her older sister, and then she, like, skips off to dinner. And her older sister, like, sort of imagines everything that Alice saw. And then she's like, I wish Alice could stay little forever. And it's so, like... Lewis Carroll, what? <laughs> uh, do you know that the poem at the beginning of this is an acrostic of her name? I thought it was at the end of the second book. Oh, it is at the end of the second book. Yep, You're the end right. of the second book is an acrostic. And what is an acrostic? So an acrostic is a poem where if you took the first letter of each line, it actually spells out something else mm-hmm. um so this one spells out alice pleasance or pleasance whichever you prefer uh, little there's also in case there was any question who <laughs> Alice was right which is strange because he always said it wasn't her i know yeah her she and her sisters are also in there when the dormouse tells a story about three little girls named elsie tilly and lacy mm-hmm. uh elsie is lc lorena charlotte Tilly uh, is Edith, who was nicknamed Matilda. I don't know how you get from Edith to Matilda to Tilly, but whatever. Okay. Um, and Lacey is an anagram of Alice. People often look for meaning in this, <laughs> yes, and they look often. for allegories. Apparently, it's supposed to be what it is, which is nonsense. Yes. It's just supposed to be silly, silliness. Mm-hmm. Um. Not everything has to mean something, folks. <laughs> sometimes it's just a cigar. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's just Wonderland. Yep. Um, although, uh, you could say that when she's eating and drinking, it's like being in adolescence. Mm-hmm. Where you're changing a lot, you don't know what's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, yeah. But that's one reading of it. But for the most part... Um, it's just silliness. It's just silliness, and yeah. it's fun. She learns a lot of poems. There are so what's many. What's your favorite poem? So many poems. Uh, I do like The Walrus and the Carpenter, mm-hmm. simply for the fact that... Uh, A, it's a delightfully weird sequence in the Disney film. Yes. It's just bonkers. It's dark. It's weird. (laughs) And um, one of my favorite authors that I haven't talked about a lot, surprisingly, on this show, uh, his name is Lemony Snicket. Oh, yeah. I love a series of unfortunate events. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lemony Snicket uses a stanza from the walrus and the carpenter in the series of unfortunate events books to give a coded message to the oh, Baudelaire children. That's cool. It's allusions to other things. Do you have a favorite poem? No. <laughs> I, I I like one of the one-liners. Yeah. Like curiouser, curiouser, oh, yeah. or just the little silly things. Like, um, I think one of my favorite parts when, oh, who are they arguing with? It was maybe Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty, God, such a jerk. He really <laughs> bugged me. Okay. They were saying, it's the same as saying, they're saying like, <laughs> you can say I ate that or that ate me. Like, you can't just switch things around. And So they give a bunch of examples and they're very silly. Right. I did not explain that one. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about adaptations? Yeah. Or is there anything else you want to say about the original book? Oh, I was just going to say, other than poems, my favorite part of this is uh, the pig and pepper chapter was so, so weird. It's so weird. So creepy. Uh, where the Duchess is making soup and there's too much pepper and everyone is sneezing and then the baby turns into a pig and it's just and then the what? poems they say about the baby are they like sing these horrible lullabies to the baby that <laughs> like are abusive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. It's weird. It's very weird. I like it because it's something that would not get written and published now. No. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be like, this is you're too far gone, Louis. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> and he's not being creepy. It's just weird. No, it's just bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the adaptations. Okay. So already by 1896, there was the first musical put on on Broadway of Alice in Wonderland. I think it was in the West End. Oh, in West End. Okay. Disney had already been making very short. So Disney was obsessed with turning Alice in Wonderland into a movie. <laughs> Disney himself. Disney himself. Uh, in the 1923, he had already made shorts about Alice in Wonderland. Uh, The first movie did come out in 1903, and before there were movies, some really wonderful book parodies came out. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you about them? Yeah, please. (laughs) Okay. So, there is Gladys and Grammarland. Nice. Yeah. I think I would enjoy that. Gladys and (laughs) Grammarland came out in 1897. It was a parody to help kids learn grammar. Okay, I'm now obsessed with finding a copy of this. Gladys and... I know. Okay. So, although it's not supposed to be a political text... People love turning mm. it into that. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in 1902, Clara and Blunderland came out <laughs> by quote unquote Caroline Lewis. Oh, clever, uh-huh. crafty. Uh, that was, get this, critical of the Second Boer War. <laughs> what? No. In which Clara represents leader of the House of Commons, Arthur Balfour. <laughs> <laughs> the next year, Lost in Blunderland. A sequel to Clara in Blunderland came out, criticizing the same Arthur Balfour after he was made prime minister. <laughs> Somebody really hated this guy. Oh, man. Yeah, um... James Joyce was influenced by him to read to write *Finnegans Wake* in mm-hmm. 1939 because it also was a dream. Right. Did you have to read *Finnegans Wake*? I actually did not. Did you? No. Okay. No. <laughs> um, one thing I would love to see is *Alice in Wonderland* uh, parentheses or what's a nice kid like you doing in a place like this? <clears throat> it came out in 1966 and it was an animated comedy special loosely based on the book. Hedda a Hopper is characterized. She was like a big gossip con- columnist, mm-hmm. but she used she lent her voice to it. But also the Flintstones show up in it, oh. and Barney Rubble was the caterpillar. Nope, no. nope, nope. <laughs> uh, so the original movie that we all think of came out in 1951 from Disney, and it wasn't that much of a critical success nope. until the hippies got a hold of it, <laughs> and Disney started re-releasing it, basically telling the hippies, like, hey, get high and go see this movie. I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. Um, the original scriptwriter, because he had this the rights to this for a long, long, long time before it ever got turned into anything, they originally wanted it to be a live action film. And the person who wrote the original script was Aldous Huxley. Yeah, I have that too. (laughs) Who wrote Brave New World is probably his most famous, Mm -hmm. but he also has, and I highly recommend this because it's one of the weirdest things I've ever read, uh, The Doors of Perception. Okay. Which is about his, I think I might've mentioned this when we talked about, what's his face? Uh, Ken Kesey. Okay. Because The Doors of Perception is like Aldous Huxley trying various substances and then writing about his experience. Oh really? Uh yeah, That's it's interesting. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, that did not get made. <laughs> um Yep, and speaking of substances, so Jefferson Airplane song, yes. White Rabbit from their 1967 <laughs> album mentions Alice, the dormouse, the hookah-smoking caterpillar, the white knight and the red queen. Very famously, that song is used in, like, a bunch of movies where anything trippy happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, and recently, we're, we're coming at you from March of 2022, mm-hmm. and that song was recently the backing track to the new Matrix movie. Mm-hmm. And, in the trailer. Yes, in the trailer. And one of the gals in that movie has a white rabbit tattoo. Actually, it's even in the original Matrix. It's Follow the White Rabbit. Yeah, white rabbits, uh, it, it like, has become this thing like, follow See? the white rabbit Yes, to basically get high. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yes, it was in the new Matrix film as well. There's another rabbit that he's following down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I use a lot of internet sources for this information. Mental <laughs> Floss was helpful as always. You know what? I'm not ashamed to say I use Wikipedia, because when they are well written and linked to sources, it can be very helpful. I actually, I would love to give a shout out to Wikipedia because do I think that you should use it for like your PhD thesis? Yeah, no. um, absolutely not. Should you use it for podcasts? podcast? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> is there a lot of social research that's on there? Is there a lot of uh, free information? And you can check the sources. So if mm-hmm. you want to actually make sure that you're getting vetted information, you can. Mm-hmm. But Wikipedia is a fantastic... Um, free source of information yes way to go wikipedia, wikipedia. <laughs> just don't use it kids for your papers don't tell your teachers yeah. said so. <laughs> um and then just real quick let's go over the Jenny Depp, <laughs> oh you seem so excited alice in wonderland yeah and uh, it's its own thing yeah he went s- in 2010 <laughs> So I saw this movie in high school. It was my senior year of high school. Okay. With, like, a big group of friends. We all went to, like, Jenny's and then went to... Probably tipped really well, right? Oh, yes. Definitely. We always spent a lot of time at Denny's and probably they all hated us. And you each spent like $12 collectively. Yes. I'm sorry, everyone at Denny's in 2010. Yeah, minus Applebee's at numbers. (laughs) Yes. So I went to see it with a group of friends and I, I just watched it again the other day and I was like, I felt like this film was better And it's just not. Um, I used to think, like, the effects in it were fairly good and, like... I mean, they were, like, cutting edge in 2010. Yeah. superimposing faces onto... Yeah, onto... Characters. But, yeah, I mean, I watched it again as an adult and I was like, ooh. Has not aged well. It has not. Uh, And there's a sequel to it. Yeah, I checked it off from the library and did not get around to watching it. I, I purposely didn't get around to watching it. I mean, it doesn't... There are some of the same characters, but the plot in no way... Um, follows anything right and even in the first one it's more based on the Jabberwocky than on anything in Alice like she they, rides the Jabberwocky yeah she also rides, me. Yeah, she also rides a Bandersnatch uh, yeah it's just like come on yeah, come on and I really want to like that movie because parts of it do look cool the costuming I actually really like yeah I like the score the Danny Elfman score is good love Danny Elfman yep so I, there's some things to like about it. It's great study music if you need. To. Is it? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's good study music. Actually, it's not great. Like if you just need to like get a bunch of reading done, but if you are on a deadline and you need to write a paper, it's like it'll get you there. Okay. So okay, it's decent music. Um, but yeah, otherwise, not my favorite film. No. And I don't know that I want to see if they did another live Alice. Would you be? I mean, Alice isn't my favorite classic, so. Okay. Eh. <laughs> um, I think I feel like I have memories of being little and going to a, a stage play, which can be very magical that could be for a fun, kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I What I remember more, I obviously watched the Disney one um, a lot, but there's also a 1936 Mickey Mouse cartoon oh. called Through the Looking Glass. Hmm. Or, sorry, uh, Through the Mirror. Okay. And it's like Mickey is asleep in his bed. You see his little like. Soul kind of rises yeah. out of him and like go through the mirror. Basically, like the magician's apprentice when he's dreaming at the beginning. You kind of yeah. see him. Yeah, you see like a yeah. phantom him come it's up and terrifying, by the way. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, it goes through the mirror and meets a pack of animate cards and all mm-hmm. sorts of things. um I really remember that from childhood, which is weird because I don't know where the heck I would have watched it. It wasn't a Fantasia, was it? No, sure? it's just like its own little short. Oh. So it might have been in, like, a Mickey Shorts... Yeah, that they played for movies. Compilation, yeah. Anyway. Oh, it blew yeah, my mind. I forgot mind. they used to do that with, like, VHS tapes. Yeah, oh, well, it blew my mind when I found <laughs> out that cartoons were basically invented to play before movies. Real movies. Yeah. 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 But you would just go and watch cartoons beforehand Mm -hmm. because you didn't have a TV. (laughs) Cool. So, anything else? Or otherwise, tell me what I would like if I like Alice. If you like Alice, but you don't necessarily want to watch one of the adaptations we have talked about, uh, Lost, the series Lost, is very heavily influenced Mm. by Alice's adventures in Wonderland. Good point. So, you know, you might enjoy something else based on it. If you like video games, there's Kingdom Hearts, which is... All Disney, all the time, but also manga, um, anime, it's very... I've never actually played it. I've seen my husband play it plenty of times, mm. but um, it's well-loved. Okay. Kingdom Hearts. If you're actually going to try and find a book that's kind of like this, I do recommend The Hunting of the Snark, which is Lewis Carroll's Where the Snark Came From. Um, is the snark a thing? The snark is a thing. It's a creature? Yes. Yes. That's one of his famous poems besides Alice. Yeah. And we do have copies at the libraries. Um, It's inspired musicals and mathematical principles, which is a super weird thing. Well, Uh, apparently Alice is a a joke about Euclidean math that he wrote. (laughs) Like... I if there is any logic you, to be found, oh it's that he was making fun of these new, <laughs> new forms of math that came out and pushing my glasses yeah, up my nose. Wait, I go Lewis. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Um, you could also read The Owl and the Pussycat by Edward Lear. That's another oh. really famous example of mm-hmm. nonsense poetry. I recommend The Gashley Crumb Tinies mm-hmm. by Edward Gorey um, or The Amphigory, which has many of his stories in it. We have that at the library. And then if you want some more adult uh, type books. Look for The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mm-hmm. Douglas Adams, very nonsensical. Or After Alice by Gregory Maguire, which is an adaptation. Uh, kind of like, if you know Wicked, it's the same guy, mm-hmm. same writer, and he just takes it from a more adult standpoint. I think my sister Lindsay, who was on the show, mm-hmm. was reading that and said she was she liked it. Nice. She said it was like Dark Vanessa. Yeah, it, he usually writes pretty dark versions of... Your favorite childhood (laughs) tales? No, remember the book Dark Vanessa. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I know. (laughs) It's like Dark Vanessa. It's like Alice's point of view being maybe groomed. Maybe. Uh, What do you recommend? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you have recommendations. Oh, you're right. Okay. What? Okay. Wait. Actually, what are some other? Just really quick. What are some other like person tumbles into a Wonderland type place? Mm. Willy Wonka mm-hmm. well Charlie chocolate Factory is the book Willy Wonka was a movie it's been done but of course I can't come up with any specific examples there is Mario really? I don't know I don't know <laughs> sure I'm not I'm not coming up I feel with like that. there's one I'm thinking of it's just I mean I guess like any fantasy where you go into a new it's world building right mm-hmm ooh Gregor the overlander series uh by Susan Mallory hmm no, sorry, Suzanne Collins. I don't know where Mallory came from. <laughs> Suzanne Collins, same lady who writes The Hunger Games. Oh, okay. But I like these better. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> well, Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're looking for allusions to Alice, they are everywhere. They abound. And it's in the public domain. Yes. So So you can do stuff. Anyone, with it. You can yeah, you you listening to this, <laughs> dear listener. You at home. They're also pretty short. Like, they're, they're pretty quick reads, both yeah, books. for sure. So, I mean, it's definitely a classic that you can sink your teeth into and get out of really quickly. Hey, if you want to connect with us, you should check out at The Book Isn't Necessarily Better with no apostrophe in it on Instagram. Or you can write to us at podcast at communitylibrary.net. Yeah. Or you can visit us at the Hayden branch of the library. Sure can. (laughs) Um, So, happy reading. Happy watching. Bye. I also have thoughts and feelings. Maybe not as deep. Okay, eighth time's a charm. If. Eighth. Eight. eight (laughs) Time's a charm. (laughs)